Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Kelly Green Hour. We're coming off, or the Philadelphia Eagles, I should say, are coming off their third consecutive loss after falling to the defending AFC champion Kansas City Chiefs, 42-30. to 30. I'm your host, LG Hero, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Connor Donald. Connor, we need to get a victory green, a victory green hour one of these weeks. I, I was hoping for more, more than four uh, that we had last year, and so far this year, uh, we got a rough stretch, and, and and it doesn't get any easier over the next couple of weeks. Definitely not. It definitely does not get any easier, and I feel like victory green hours are, are going to be a bit more of a stretch to grab. Very few but, and far between, yep. Exactly, but I mean, let's be realistic. It's not like we didn't think that this was going to happen with Kansas City, and like we're, we're going to dive into it, but realistically, this is a higher scoring outcome than I thought, but you you kind of projected pretty close to this, at least from the Chiefs' perspective. No one thought Philly would score like this, but I think I gave them <clears> 23, <throat> and if we don't count the garbage time touchdown, they're 23. But um, I mean, yeah, we, we'll we'll dive into it. But this this was unsurprising, and I think our best chance out of getting that victory green hour comes in this week's game. So can't wait to uh, dive into that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we have a couple of Tough games coming up in, in this week against Carolina with possibly not having Christian McCaffrey on the field for the Panthers. It could be our best chance. But like you said, we'll dive into that in a little bit. Um, before we get going, please follow the Kelly Green Hour on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Follow, follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. Follow me on Twitter at LJHarrell54. And follow our partners over at Sports Talk Philly at Sports Talk PHL. And as always, wherever you're listening to us, please rate and review the show and subscribe if you have not done so already. All right. The Philadelphia Eagles fell 42 to 30 and you're right. I did have the chiefs scoring 45 because you know, that offense is ridiculous and you know, Patrick Mahomes goes out there, throws five touchdown passes um, and Tyreek Hill goes out there and has 180 yards plus receiving like, like it's willy nilly. It's like they're, they're out on the schoolyard. It was embarrassing. Connor, the Eagles defense, Jonathan Gannon, Everybody was talking about how he had all these uh, defensive coordinator options and chose the Eagles to be with Nick Sirianni. This too deep safety look is, I am, I am, I said something last week. I didn't think I was going to say, I miss Jim Schwartz. That's how bad it got watching Jonathan Gannon's defense out there. I wanted Jim Schwartz back. Like at least he's going to every once in a while, bring pressure not have that same too deep look to get gouged in the running game every week. Look, the first two weeks we faced <clears throat> Atlanta with a brand new coaching staff and an older starting quarterback. So we didn't really know what that offense was going to look like. And the Eagles defense really feasted on them. Week two, we faced a Jimmy Garoppolo left San, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo led San Francisco 49ers offense. And, and you know, it wasn't their offenses. wasn't that great. So the Eagles, even though they lost the game, the defense played well and there was, and, and it felt like they were, building and it felt like they were getting confidence but the last two weeks going up against two high power type offenses we we've seen what this defense is do they have players yes javon hargraves is having an outstanding year he is the best player on the eagles defense by far they have uh fletcher cox who has five a total grand total of five tackles and i kind of want to talk about that that because of what his comments this week talking about how you can't really get comfortable when you're playing multiple positions whether it's in the three technique a four-eye technique, and it's bothering him. And then the, the linebackers are non-existent. Like, look, everybody had high hopes for Alex Singleton, but we're, we're starting to see why he was a, a CFL player and, and kind of just a special teams guy. Eric Wilson has, yeah, he, he had an interception last week, but my God, he doesn't, he, he, he he's not good. Uh, I would like to see more of TJ Edwards, maybe even put out Davion Taylor out there. Who knows, but they need to figure that linebacker linebacker position out a lot of talk of maybe they go after Jalen Smith when he got released by Dallas nope he ended up in Green Bay and the secondary is Darius Slay playing well it's look because they play a lot of zone it's tough to tell you know there's been these stats out there how he's like a performing at a top five level and he's talking about you know look I'm playing well but it's not it there's no I in team it's a team game if the defense isn't playing well, that means everybody's not playing well. And Darius Slay, 
this week kind of took it like, hey, I'm doing my job. It's pretty much everybody around me. At least that's how I kind of thought when he was getting, you know, on Twitter and whatnot. But the Eagles defense needs to figure this crap out because it is embarrassing the the, the calls that that um, Jonathan Gannon are, are is calling out there on the defensive side of the ball, Connor. And if the the reports are true that Nick Sirianni ripped into the the defensive coaching staff, good. You need to put the players in the best position possible to to, to feast. If if you know Fletcher Cox is a six time you know Pro Bowl player. There, there's a reason. There are certain positions that he's playing that that made him get there. And obviously, Gannon's not using him in those positions. Is Fletcher Cox older and and probably on the downside of his career? Yes, probably. But the drop off has been huge for Fletcher Cox, and I think that a lot of that has to go on Jonathan Gannon. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to go on that that long tangent. But the defense needs to figure this crap out. All good. Let me let me try and uh, uh, reel it in here and try and hit on some of the points that I wanted to make about it as well. First of all, there was concern about Fletcher Cox at the beginning of the like throughout the off season. So I'm not prepared to put all of it on Jonathan Gannon. I understand, you know, the technique and the scheme can kind of play a role in things. Um, and, you know, it, Jim Schwartz's scheme was far more favorable to a guy like Fletcher Cox and to got into the edges on the team but i mean it's not like he's completely abandoned you know playing four guys up front he just doesn't play as wide nine as we saw last year where the edges were way out on the outside and coming in um but for me the concerns were there for for fletcher cox from the beginning we knew age is just a number sometimes but at, at the defensive tackle position i don't live by that. I think that that's a position where as you age, it's it's only going to get a lot worse and it can be and it can happen very quickly. It's kind of reminiscent of like the running back position, in my opinion. That drop off can be dramatic. This drop off can be dramatic, especially with the way that offensive lines are evolving. The players are evolving. Look at the some of the prospects coming out of NCAA uh, college football right now. They are incredible athletes. They get to the second level with speed. They just barely even notice a defensive tackle in in some scenarios. They just kind of brush by them, knock them off balance, and the play keeps moving into the next level. Um, so for me, the Fletcher Cox thing, it's unsurprising. I think I put more of it on Fletcher Cox to because like, at the end of the day, whether you're in the three eye or you're in the four, you need to make things happen. And I I was watching some of when I was watching the game, he just gets stuck on double teams or he gets stuck on an individual person. And it it's like he's he gives up if he doesn't have a clear path somewhere. He's just giving up. He's just kind of pushing, you know, kind of looking like he's doing his job. Um, so in my opinion for Fletcher Cox, the concerns were there. The concerns were voiced. The reports were there. I'm I'm I understand scheme some of it. But I also think that there's a lot more that needs to fall on Fletcher Cox than some people want to give because right now they just want to look at the coaching staff and say the coaching staff's a mess. Linebacker, we knew that was a need. We knew that was a need. And boys, oh boys, is it ever more of a need than ever. Tyreek Hill feasted in the middle of the field. Safeties and linebackers, the whole middle of that defense is a mess Also, an atrocity. Not, not to cut you off. On that third, on his on Hill's third touchdown catch, what is the coaching staff looking at when you see Eric Wilson lined up against him? Why aren't they calling a timeout? Why mm-hmm. aren't they be like, yo, we need to fix that? Because that's a that's an easy touchdown for a, a guy like Tyree Hill, even if it's only you know from five yards out. There's no reason, and I'm gonna make the same point when we talk about the Panthers later on because they have a wide receiver who can probably do similar damage as Tyree Kill just did if he can find the right mismatches. There's no reason to not have Darius Slay shadowing the number one wide receiver on any team in any game. He should always be. Steven Nelson to me has been a massive disappointment. He's been a really big letdown. I don't think this is a scheme thing. He gives up big play after big play. I'm not I'm not putting that on scheme. He's an older guy. We kind of knew what we were getting into. He was kind of a stopgap just while they continue to address the CB2 position. So I, I think a lot more of that falls on Steven Nelson than anything. 
Um, but that, like I said, that middle of the defense is just brutal. Safety, linebacker, all five of those positions are getting excruciatingly hard to watch on a night in and night out basis. Their inability to cover, their inability, some their their missed tackles sometimes is just so hard to watch. But the biggest thing is coverage. Jalen Smith, you did mention Jalen Smith quickly, so I'll jump in on Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith had a year. He had a couple good years. He, but to me, he would have just exacerbated some of the issues. He has a lot of missed tackles. His coverage is not that great. He would have been the best great. linebacker on our team. He would have been the best linebacker on our team. Which but doesn't best, say much, it, I know, but. Exactly. So if all we're looking for is a mediocre upgrade, and I, I do want to point out, if all before I get onto this other point, if all we want is a mediocre upgrade, we're never going to improve, and that's what we've been doing at the linebacker position. We acquired Eric Wilson as a subpar upgrade, and look, we're getting exactly what we paid for with it. If you bring in Jalen Smith, then suddenly you have Eric Wilson, which was a minor upgrade. Jalen Smith, a minor upgrade. Neither of them can do that great in coverage. Wilson slightly better, obviously, as we saw, but neither that great. And They're I also want. Well, before you get to, they're never going to improve the linebacker issue until they prioritize it, and I don't exactly. know. Exactly. And I don't know when that's going to ever happen. I really don't know when either because I really don't think that they ever see it as a first or second round type of pick because they have so many other needs that they that are far more important, like in the trenches or the cornerback position, or as we've seen in the past couple of years, a wide receiver position. But for me, Joe Giglio's comment got yeah. me so twisted if we had have been i i posted from the kelly green hour twitter if this had have been different micah parsons going off in philadelphia but devonta smith going Go off, off elsewhere giants. we would 100 percent that would be a completely flipped argument and that same article would be coming out same time of year saying we and, made the wrong pick with devonta smith instead of we, when we won micah parsons we know that micah parsons would be performing that same way here because again we don't prioritize linebackers so like how do we know that he would be in the right position to make the plays that he's making right now and, 100%, 100%. and if Devontae Smith would have went to the Giants and Devontae Smith would be going off with Daniel Jones while Mike, Micah Parsons is doing all right he he or somebody else would have wrote this is an offensive league you should go out there and shore up the offense and they should have they should have drafted Devontae like the only one, only person I really, really wanted over Devontae, which we talked about, was Patrick Sertan. I would have taken mm-hmm. Patrick Sertan, maybe J.C. Horn, but I'm more of a Patrick Sertan guy. So like that would have been the only person I would would have taken over um, Devontae. And, Which obviously and the, he wasn't available. So. The fact that it was brought up is just, it, it's disgusting as well, because it's not like Devonta Smith's been subpar or even mm-hmm. mediocre. He had a great week so last week. He had a great week last week. He had a great week in week one. He's had subpar weeks in there, but I think that that expectation should be there for anybody, even Micah that's Parsons. More of the off- but, that's more of the offense. I also think we have to give credit where credit's due with Dan Quinn and what he's doing with the defense in, in Dallas. I, I do think that we can't not talk about how vital things have been going there and the fact that they address. I'm going to hurt. I'm going to hurt inside when Jabril, Jabril Cox starts to blow up. I want because Jabril they Cox. Jalen Smith. Same. We, I think we talked about him on draft shows leading up to it. I think he's going to do really well. I wanted Philly to take him. Philly had the opportunity to take him, and they didn't. He didn't, didn't he go in like the sixth round? I thought it was four or five, but it was late. It was late. It was at a time where we were yeah. thinking about where we took like shots with guys like Taron Jackson yeah. and Patrick John. It's it's mm-hmm. not like times like those. And it's like you could have got a guy like Jabril Cox who's far better. If he starts to go off, it's just another I told you so moment and, go, and just a, a and, shame and to, on the uh, scouting staff. And going the last year's draft, I wanted Trayvon Diggs. Just going to mm-hmm. say I wanted I was I was big on Trayvon Diggs, who probably should have went in the first round and didn't go to the second round. Definitely, and uh, I mean, it's hindsight being twenty twenty. You know, it is what it is. I know that there was things said about Trayvon Diggs and his character and stuff, and that that might have been the reason why some teams passed on him. But they uh, still look at what he's doing now. He has like I think he has an interception in every game. He's five picks so this year. Yeah, exactly. Five. So. 
the the fact that we focused on the bad and nothing of of the about the Chiefs and the Eagles game is probably a sign that we really don't want to talk about this Chiefs and Eagles well, game. Well, no, it's more. I I wanted to talk about our defense because mm-hmm. it's an it's an embarrassment. The, the the every time they go out there, they give up touchdowns. Like I, I yeah, Eric Wilson had a pick last week, but still, it feels like every time they're on the field, they're giving up points. They're giving up a bunch of yards. They're giving up touchdowns they're not getting pressures they have and and Jonathan Gannon is and then his comments this week you know we don't have an identity we just it's like he's like yeah we just go out there and play and and, and you can't do that in the National Football League definitely not and and I would also like to continue to voice my frustration with the with the usage of Miles Sanders Listen, the usage of Kenneth Gainwell is great. I love it. That's exactly what you want to see. The fact that you have a two-headed monster, a tandem that can work really well together, that can complement each other, that do similar things yet very different things. Kenneth Gainwell, I'll take 10 10 times over Miles Sanders in the passing game. You just know and you can see that Philadelphia wants to use him in that same way. But Miles Sanders has been such an effective runner. His yards per carry is top five, I think maybe even number one in the league. Hey, I, I, have, a, I have a question for you, which you might know the answer. What team leads the league in yards per carry? Philadelphia. Yeah, and what, the Eagles. And, and the they Eagles run the ball yards like less than everybody. We, yeah, yards per attempt. We are the best team in football, and yet we use it so little it's i think i have my preview piece for sports talk philly that i'm going to be putting out tonight after this show as i post this show and i just i think i put some stats into it about the russian game and how little we i think it was we have the number one yards per attempt and we we have had the 25th ranked number of attempts russian attempts so um that speaks volumes to what some of the outcomes of other games could have been if the usage was better. And as we saw last week, and we're going to get into it, Zeke and Pollard had massive games against the defense we're going up against this week. So hopefully Sirianni took some notes. And and look, when you have a, an offensive line, and look, Jalen, and I, I usually talk about a struggling quarterback, but Jalen Hurts had a good game last week. My other thing is, you Years ago, we used to talk about Dak Prescott and how a lot of his yards and a lot of his numbers were garbage time. I feel like Jalen Hurts has that same thing, but nobody's talking about it. Look, Jalen Hurts' numbers looked good last week, but didn't he have a couple of like garbage time drives that helped build his yards up? Like, I don't want him to be a garbage time quarterback. We need to put him in a position to where they're in the game in the fourth quarter to where that these are meaningful drives. And, and that's where using Miles Sanders, letting the, getting the run game going, that's where all of this can help your young quarterback. But then you find out two hours before the game that your right tackle is not going to be playing. So then you have to mix up the offensive line, which was already going to be mixed up. You know, you, we're gonna, Mylotta was out. Brooks is obviously out. Sayamala's out. Now um, jo- um, Lane Johnson's out. And then you have to Driscoll, who practiced all week at right guard. And now it's like, oh, by the way, you're starting at right tackle. We're putting Herbig in at right guard. It's like, what the heck is going on here? And they come out and still don't run the ball enough, like to help the offensive line. Running the ball not only helps the offensive line, it helps your quarterback. It helps your defense because they're not on the field every, what seems like forever. But no, John, or excuse me, Nick Sirianni still doesn't want to utilize the running game and utilize the quarterback or utilize a running back who is one of your best offensive weapons. And again, I mentioned Devontae Smith had a really good game last week, over a hundred yards receiving could have been more. He stepped out of bounds, but like there were, and then again, the penalties still coming into play. There were a couple, there were what Jalen hurts missed Greg Ward on a touchdown. He was open. He threw it a little too wide. Uh, Devontae Smith caught a touchdown but stepped out of bounds. There was another one which could have been a long time. Like there was, excuse me, there was a lot of plays left, a lot of points left out on the field, and it's killing this team year in, or week in and week out. Hundred percent, couldn't agree more. Devonta Smith is looking good in everything that we wanted him to be. He's eating up targets. He's making receptions. He's making big plays. One thing that I actually point out, pointed out on Twitter is I want to see Quez Watkins more involved than Jalen Reger. At this point, 
Quez Watkins and what he's capable of doing, his yards per reception speak volumes. He's over 20 yards per reception. I think he's one of the tops in the entire league. While Jalen Reger sits there with a yards per reception that I believe was under nine. I think it was like 8.7. All Jalen Reger is... reception helps. <laughs> I, it definitely, the, I agree. The, these reset, these big plays help, but that's what Quez Watkins can do. That's how much yep. he can open up a football field for you. And Jalen Reger is a dump off option or hit him on a slant, and he's not really producing a whole lot after the catch. It, it's kind of frustrating to watch because I think Quez Watkins can do a lot more than Jalen Reger, and he's more of a tool. He can be, he can take a screen 50 yards. He can take a 60 yard air pass and turn it into 80 yards, like. He can do so much with either so little or with a lot, and that's not what we've seen from a lot of other players on this team. Um, and it's also nice to see Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard getting more involved. Last week, they got a little bit more involved, and I think that Jalen Hurts needs to look their way more. There were so many drives the week prior and in, in weeks prior where we were stalling out, at going three and out on three plays or on six plays and eating up like less than two minutes or just over two minutes of time of possession. Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard can help change that. And he needs to look their way more. There, there's so many weapons at his disposal. Like when you look at it and you look how often some of these guys are targeted and what their averages are, we have a lot of really good weapons. And I actually tend to agree with what Quez Watkins said in the press conference earlier this week, that we are just a little bit away on the offensive side. Of the ball. Said the Defensively, same thing, yeah. we're not going to talk there yet, yeah, but that's true. <laughs> offensively, 100%. Get the running game going with Miles Sanders. Then you got a passing game that includes Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, Quez Watkins, Devonta Smith, Kenneth Gainwell, and your final option, Jalen Reger, is not even a bad option. He's just a bit more frustrating because it feels like he's more of a dump-off option. It doesn't feel like he's actually doing huge things, but obviously we every team needs to have their dump-off option as well. So I think we are close. And a shout-out to the to their offensive line. It was the fourth different combination in four weeks. Of course, the nightmares of last year are, are coming to fruition yet again. But they did really good. They were actually quite effective last week. I was pretty impressed with Andre Dillard. I was pretty impressed overall with how they gave Jalen Hurts a fairly clean pocket. Didn't allow too, too many pressures. But it was the Kansas City Chiefs whose defense is one of the worst in the league as well. So we do have to take it with a grain of salt. But the fact that it was another offensive line combination who stood the test is a positive. Because last year we would have said this is our 11th combination in 12, 12 weeks and we would have been playing a bottom feeder defense, and they would have got blown up by that bottom feeder defense. Yeah, Chris Jones. So Chris this Jones is a step really in the right direction. Exactly. Chris Jones wasn't that effective in the game, um, and, and the Eagles' offense was able to move the ball, put up 30 points, which we expected. And and the Chiefs, but the Chiefs again, like you mentioned, have the 31st ranked defense in in the NFL. Um, and then there's going to be another combination this week because you're going to have Dillard at left tackle, Dickerson at le- uh, left guard. Kelsey at center, Driscoll at right guard, and Maya Lotta is going to play right tackle this week. So another week where they have another combination. It's the same old hat, and I'm going to blame you, Connor, because after week one, you said, oh, it feels good to only have one person on the injury list, and now we get the entire damn team. Thanks, Connor. No kidding, bud. <laughs> if, it, if it makes you feel better on the injury part, I understand some people have been late, are already on the IR and out, but you only have Lane Johnson and Suo Peta. So at least the people who are healthy and who can be there are there. And we, well, we might see LaRaven Clark this week. Yeah, well, you, you, you just never know what you're going to see anymore. I don't put anything past do, the Eagles. Do you know and who deserves staff. a raise and, and should be the assistant coach of the year? Jeff Stoutland. That guy deserves a raise. And, and look, we know Kelsey's were probably most likely retiring after this year. It would, wouldn't shock me if Stoutland called it a career after this year, too. And that would be a huge loss for the Philadelphia Eagles. 100%. I think that's one of the reasons he didn't go elsewhere or didn't take another job. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, at the end of the day, he, he probably just wants to retire in Philadelphia. He wants to see some of these people through because I feel like, you know, he wants to see Kelsey's career through. He wants to keep working with Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks, some of these guys he's worked with for years and has a ton of respect for and love for. I think he wants to see some of them through. Um so, and I forgot to make my Jim Schwartz comment earlier. I was often the go one. Ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I was often the one who came on to the Kelly Green Hour 
and tried to shed positivity on Jim Schwartz. I hated his sticks defense. I hated the third down defense. I hated how he didn't bring a ton of pressure, but as the season wore on, he brought the pressure. He brought the heat. But at the end of the day, Jim Schwartz is a pretty good defensive coordinator. He knows what he's doing. There's just certain elements, just like there is in the Gannon defense, there's certain elements in every defense you see that you're not going to like. And there was a sticks defense with Jim Schwartz. It's what's frustrated the hell out of us. And then it was not bringing pressure. And then he brought pressure and people said, you're bringing too much pressure. But I do miss Jim Schwartz as well. And and you, more than anybody knows, I would come on this show and I would try and bring the positivity with Jim Schwartz for the last two years. So it, it is nice to hear you say that in a roundabout way, you may or may not miss Jim Schwartz. Oh, I miss compared to Jonathan Gannon? Yes, I miss him. Now, my question for you now is, does Nick Sirianni, or and we'll start, because we'll, I kind of want to go with a twofold question here. First, if the defense continues like this through the bye week, making zero adjustments, just not able to stop anybody, does Sirianni think of making a change at defensive coordinator? I doubt it would happen in season, but like by the end of the year, you think that this is, this is, we need to go in a different direction. Do you think Sirianni decides to do that? and relieve Gannon or or do you, they try to keep it all together and bring in more players with those three first round picks next year I think you try and keep it together I think that at this point I think that people we've been suffering through this we suffered through last year with Doug Peterson and stuff so I feel like they've kind of attached the two seasons together but we this coaching staff has only had four weeks we have to remember this as I frustrating mean, as it is, they're adjusting. Training they had preseason. I get it. They had preseason. I get it. But obviously, preseason's vanilla. You're not going to show anything. You're not going to do anything. I, I hardly think it counts. So when's Gannon going to start showing something defensive? Okay, Jonathan. So okay, <laughs> okay, yeah, that that's different. Okay, now he should be showing more. He should be doing a lot more. He should be showing what we what he's getting paid for and what people loved and raved about him for. But he hasn't yet. But. My point here is we have to remember it has only been four weeks. Nonetheless, there's a lot of stuff. When we first, when we were talking throughout the offseason on the Kelly Green Hour, we were saying one thing, and one thing was a major thing about this year. Quarterback. Quarterback and that we wanted to see our needs. <laughs> we wanted to figure out what we need so we can go forward. You can't in one year consciously make a decision on this coaching staff, as much as we want to see more, we want to see more out of Sirianni, we want to see more out of Jonathan Gannon, they're also figuring out their needs, what they need to address, but obviously we want to see more from them and the frustration is setting in. But I, I do really genuinely believe that both should be around next year, that this isn't going to be a one-year or two-year thing unless things are really, really bad next year. I think you're going to see this coaching staff get at least three years of an okay. opportunity and i think that the needs they're going to address them they're going to look at them they're going to take a step back and look at the entire situation and and figure things out but i mean based on the reports that came out about the blow up on monday jonathan gannon better start doing more things playing to the strengths of his players because this is another thing that we talked about with jim schwartz it feels like he's just trying to jam a square a square peg in a circle hole exactly the same thing we were talking about with jim schwartz or he's trying to force change on people so it's almost like we're going polar opposite directions here instead of playing to your playing to the strengths of the players which jim schwartz didn't do jonathan gannon isn't doing either he's just trying to force in a different way by forcing a shift or a change on these players and i don't think that that's fair for any of them so but it's not an excuse I still don't think yes. it's a full-on excuse, especially for a guy like Fletcher Cox. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think you know it's a 50-50 blame for the Fletcher Cox situation. 50% is on Cox. He needs to perform better. He's making the money. Highest paid player on the de- defense. And 50% is on Gannon. Put him in a better position to perform. My other question is, what, what would it take for Jeffrey Lurie to fire Nick Sirianni? Because, like, look, it's... Do we have to go one and 16, two and 15? Um, and like, you've seen no progress from the team from week one to week seven, week 18? Or is it, is there like a negative 10% chance that they, they get rid of him? Like, he's back no matter what happens 
you know, they're going to try, they're going to draft these three players, you know, draft or hit, hit on, hopefully hit on the draft picks next year. And then, you know, next year is going to be the year that we can really evaluate this coaching staff. If this is truly a retool and not a rebuild, like a lot of people are saying, you cannot fire Nick Sirianni at the end of this year. You cannot fire any of this coaching staff at the end of this year. Because if you're retooling, the minute you fire a coaching staff after the first year, we're rebuilding. There's no way, there's no ifs, ands, or buts around it. They would have to see a complete train wreck sitting in front of them. I don't think there's any way Nick Sirianni's out. I Like you said, negative 10%, negative 100% chance Nick Sirianni's out um, this year. Like I said, this is an find the needs, address the needs, retool on the fly. We're going to have a bit more money next season. We might be able to open up more money. We have two first-rounders, potentially three first-rounders. Worst-case scenario, two first, two seconds. We got a lot of draft capital. I think we're at 10 draft picks again this year. This is a If it's going to be a true retooling, no chance that, that Nick Sirianni gets that go by the end of this year. And if they let him go, that means I think Jalen Hurts is out. That means there's a new quarterback coming in. I think that would mean a dramatic shift to the point that we'd be looking more at a rebuild. Okay. I figured I'd ask, and I know it's only week five, but you know how you know how Philly fans are. We're so we're so patient with with you know the football team. So you know I'm showing my patience here. No, but and and you're right. It was tough to talk about this KC game. Um, it was we knew again. My prediction last week was like 45-17. Well, it was a lot closer than we thought. Probably a lot of that had to do with that garbage touchdown at the end. But um, but yeah, you know. They have to figure it out because we, we talked about the up, upcoming schedule. Carolina, Tampa Bay on Thursday night at the Raiders, the next three games, they're looking one and six in the face right now if they don't if they don't get a win against the Panthers this week. Um, so what who is do you have a play of the game or a player of the game from the Kansas City game, um, game this past weekend? Oh, um. I'm gonna go with I'm going with uh, it's tough. It's between two rookies for me. It's either Kenneth Gainwell or it's Devonta Smith because they are showing so much. They are they are they are showing that you know we got the, the we hit the wide receiver, we hit the backup running back. We I think Kenneth Gainwell you know has starting ability if we didn't have Miles Sanders in the picture. Um, I'm gonna go with Devonta Smith. Because he proved he's capable. He proved exactly what he's worth. We now know that we can trust him with a heaping of targets. He's getting open. The whole size thing is clearly not a null factor at this point. He can get open at will with the way that he runs his routes. Um, and obviously he makes some rookie mistakes, and that should be the that should always be the expectation with rookies. But let but ten targets. Seven receptions, 122 yards for a 17.4-yard average per reception. You can't take that lightly. Even if Joe Giglio is saying that we made the wrong pick, you do not take a stat line like that like like that lightly. Yeah, I agree. It's in the um, you know if we were gonna can we go with the opposing team as a as a player of the week? Because I'm gonna go with Tyreek Hill. Three touchdowns. I mean, it's easy. I would say you can't not talk about that. Exactly. Like Tyree Kill had a game. He he. It shows how much speed kills. Like he absolutely had an outstanding game. Obviously, and and they found up. And Andy Reid did a great job of finding matchups for him. Um, you know, had him lined up against Eric um Eric Wilson for a play, and that he called he called a touchdown. Like, and when you're not going to make adjustments defensively, just exploit it. And that's exactly what Andy Reid did. And, you know, congratulations to Big Red also in his 100th win with Kansas City. Happened to be in Philadelphia. The only coach in NFL history with over with 100 wins with two, two franchises, obviously the Eagles being the other for, for Andy Reid, I think over 140 wins. So, you know, he's still an outstanding coach. And, you know, he, he, he found a second life in Kansas City. Question, when he goes to the Hall of Fame, is he going in as an Eagle or is he going in as a Chief? I know he won the Super Bowl with the Chiefs, but he, he got he, he got to start with the Eagles. Where is he going to the Hall of Fame, or who? What cap is he going to have on his head in the Hall of Fame? I know it's not baseball, but still, you get the picture. 
<laughs> I, I, I would hope as a Philly fan that it would be as an eagle. You know, LaShawn McCoy came back despite everything mm-hmm. that happened and went down. You know, he came back, he wanted to retire an eagle and all that stuff. So I would hope that Andy Reid would do the same thing because there is no Kansas City Super Bowl and where what he did without being in Philadelphia, being given the opportunity, being seen for what he was in Philadelphia and then getting fired by Philadelphia, unceremoniously fired because he couldn't deliver, and then going to Kansas City and delivering. None of that happens without Philadelphia, and that's why I kind of always think about most long-term coaches or guys like LaShawn McCoy who spent the majority of their career in a specific spot. You know, That's what I kind of feel about them, that there would never have been the other pieces without the original piece, the original situation to put them in that place. So I would hope he goes in as an Eagle. I get what you're saying, but you do know if he wins like another two or three Super Bowls with Kansas city, it's going to be tough for him to go. Oh, well, yeah. yeah then, then we kind of got to reconsider, but you know what? As, like, I think the end is near to be completely frank. I do think that the end has come pretty near so. with Andy Reid. I honestly I don't, don't think so. Thing, we don't know the extent of whatever his, you know, medical emergency was that day, but you know, the guy's getting older. The guy isn't the picture of health. Like, eventually the guy's going to be like, I got it. I got, what else do I have to prove? I got, I want to take care of my family. I want to take care of my own and take care of myself. Most importantly, that's the only reason I think the end could be near. I get what you're saying. I just, I think as long as Patrick Mahomes is healthy and, and, and his quarterback, he'll, he'll hang around. Um, as, long, as long as nothing gets in his way, if nothing gets in his way and Kansas City's like, you still feel good, he's always going to come back. But oh. if something in his personal life gets in the way, that is the only way I see it ended. He's a, he's a football lifer. I thought he would take a year off after the Eagles. But, you know, Kansas City was like, thanks. Thanks, Philly. We'll take him. And obviously it was the right decision. All right. That's enough talking about Eagles, Kansas City. Let's go to our favorite segment, the unheralded heralded player of the week in the national football league obviously uh it can be from the eagles eagles game but we like to look outside of that and and nobody that no patrick Mahomes, tom brady you know aaron Rodgers. we want the the a guy that you know nobody's ever heard of and something like that so do you have a name or do you want me to go first connor I do have a name. You know what? People have heard of this name, but I mean, I think being buried as, you know, the third, probably the fourth option on any given night when you include the tight end or the running back. Van Jefferson has done really, really good at standing out I this year. I want to draft him. Yeah, he's he's a really he's an incredible slot receiver. He does his thing, he does his job, and he he does it really well. And he's a big play waiting to happen. We've already seen a few of those really big plays happen. He went off for six receptions, ninety yards, and a touchdown. And like I said, I would argue that primarily he's the fourth option on that team on mm-hmm. any given night. You probably yeah, you have Robert Woods, you got Cooper Cup, you probably have Daryl Henderson, and sometimes you mix in Higby. Henderson and Higby are probably interchangeable pieces on any given week. So he's likely the fourth option generally on any given week. And Matthew Stafford is finding him and exploiting him for everything he's worth and showing that it was a really genuinely good pick by the LA Rams. And Jared Goff was never going to give the opportunity to Van Jefferson like like uh, like Matthew Stafford's been able to. That's a good, that's a good, good one. I'm going to go with a guy who had a big week last week, who's on a three and one team in the AFC, and is shocking people or a team that's shocking people. I'm going to go with C.J. Ozoma from the Cincinnati Bengals last week in a 24-21 victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars. He had Five catches, 95 yards, and two touchdowns, averaging 19 yards a catch. He had a big game. Was, you know, when when you have Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Joe Mixon, Joe Burrow, like sometimes you get overlooked. And and he just had his coming out party last week. Um, will continue? Probably not. Like as you mentioned, they have a really high powered offense. But he made he took advantage of the opportunities that he had last week. So I'm gonna go C.J. Uzoma for the Cincinnati Bengals as my unheralded player of the week. 
I, I couldn't agree more um, from a fantasy perspective. I talked about him as being a really incredible value because a lot of people weren't looking at him because, I mean, the story of the comeback, too. I mean, he mm-hmm. I think he tore his Achilles last season, and here he is. He's back out on the football field. T. Higgins was out last week, which definitely helped in a big way for him to be to open up and do what he did. But, I mean, to take advantage of any opportunity you get and stuff, that just feels good. And it, it was nice to see for C.J. Azuma. Um, I do have one thing before we move on because I feel like I've, I listened to it for, for, I've listened to podcasts all week about it. Should Urban Meyer be fired? Would you, would you be heavily considering moving on from Urban Meyer? I know that this is the first year with Urban Meyer, but he's already, you know, making a mockery of this situation. The report, the, the, you know, the video of him dancing with a woman who wasn't his wife in a bar. And then the whole situation, the team's losing respect. The very, very deeply worded message from the owner that Urban Maz got got work to get a trust back. And it's not just going to happen overnight and stuff. They're 0-4. They're headed in the wrong direction. They're not looking like they're heading in any type of positive direction either. What would you think? Um, that's a good question. I'm going to answer your question with a question. Do you think he's trying to get himself fired so he can go back to college? Because I think if he had it, if he had it his way, he'd be looking at the USC job uh, or another top top college job. Because I, I honestly don't. I you heard there there was a video out um, again when they played the Broncos at the end of the game. He said every week in the NFL is like you're preparing for Alabama. He was not prepared to be an NFL head coach, and I don't think he thought it was going to be this hard. He can't go out there and get 105 star play, players like he did at Ohio State, like he did at Florida. And, and then every time somebody gets hurt, you're rotating in a five-star player that's better than the other, that's better than the the player on the other team. I, I don't honestly don't think he thought the NFL was going to be as hard as it is. And I think, Aaron, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, he quits. So, I know he said it this week that he wasn't going to quit. He wasn't going to resign, that he's going to, he's still going to, you know, he's going to work, you know, He's going to work to help the Jaguars turn it around. But I honestly think if he had it his way, he'd go back to college. And going back to college would be the USC right now is the big job that's open. Obviously, come Jan- or, you know, the end of November, beginning of December, January, there's going to be other big-time programs that are going to have openings in, the, um, in college. And the name that's going to be at the top of the list is going to be Urban Meyer. 100% couldn't agree more on that point. I think it was Andrew Brandt who said, though, that he has all the leverage. The ja- He didn't need the Jags. The Jags needed him, yeah. was the words that Andrew Brandt used. So I don't think he's going to leave unless he's, like, unceremoniously told, like, we're going to cut you a check for what's left of your contract. Please leave, yeah. I think, would be the only way that, that it happens. Because, I mean, like like Andrew Brandt said, he's probably making so much money and we don't even really realize what he's actually making and getting out of the Jacksonville Jaguars because the Jags needed him, not the other way around. But if the Jags continue in this direction, they're at 0-4 right now. If they continue and go like 0-17 or 1-16 and only win really late in the season when likely there's some load management occurring with some of the players, then... I think there could be a realistic chance, especially if what the, this player but, came out and said is true, that he has lost the locker room. And yeah, they're four and, weeks into the year. And they drafted Trevor Lawrence number one overall. He was supposed to be a, a big turnaround. Does it look like he's improved this year? Like watching any time you have a chance to watch the Jaguars, which is very little, um, <laughs> you know, because they're never really on TV. But when you watch the Jaguars and you watch Trevor Lawrence, does it seem like he has made that he's been improvement from week one to now? Uh, from from his college days to like, does it seem like he is improving and enjoying himself playing for Urban Meyer? Because that's a big thing. Because he is your franchise quarterback, you want him to be making improvements. Yeah, it's tough to say. He throws a beautiful football. There's sometimes he throws a football. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like sweet music. But on the, to the other point, he doesn't really show a whole lot of emotion. That's so true, it's true. really hard to tell if you know things are going well or not. But as a franchise quarterback, and you know if they move on from Urban Meyer, it's not, you know, oh, new regime, new quarterback. No, 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 oh, no. no. no, no I no. can guarantee they the Jaguars will not let that happen. Trevor Lawrence is there to stay. So he's doing the right thing, keeping his mouth shut, laying low, 
And if Urban Meyer leaves, he leaves. If not, he's got a job. And he's got a lot of money on the line, too. So he's going to do his best to be the franchise quarterback for Jacksonville. And I think he's, I think he's playing it right. Uh, I get what you're saying. I get it. I get it. It's, he is being smart with it. Because um, you don't want to turn your current head coach off or even future head coaches off that, like, hey, the starting quarterback is, you know, isn't going to want to play for me if if I don't treat him one way or the other or whatnot. But, yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens with that situation. But that was really a really good question. All right, let's move on. Week five in the National Football League, the Philadelphia Eagles travel to North Carolina to face the Carolina Panthers, the 3-1 and one Carolina Panthers coming off a loss to the Dallas Cowboys. The Eagles obviously coming off a loss to the Kansas City Chiefs, their third in a row. That was the first loss for Carolina against Dallas. They were starting off 3-0, a really surprising team in the NFL. Just making a trade this week for Stephon Gilmore from the Patriots. Obviously, he's not going to play until he's not available to play until week seven as he's on the pup list. And they say that week seven, he's coming off and he'll be ready to play against the Giants. So the Eagles are fortunate they don't have to go up against Gilmore, J.C. Horn, Shaq Thompson, possibly Christian McCaffrey. This may be a good spot for the Philadelphia Eagles, Connor. They may be catching the Carolina Panthers at the right time. Yeah, I do want to point out, like you said, Stephon Gilmore's Gilmore's out. Shaq Thompson's out. Mm-hmm. And so is J.C. Horn. Obviously, he's out for mm-hmm. the season. Um, so, I mean, this, this could be a really good opportunity to catch Carolina. That's why I think that they – I do. I have my reservations on on the Las Vegas Raiders as well. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I don't know if they're 100% who they are. I think there may be some smoke and mirrors there, and we're going to see the real Raiders come out over the next few weeks. Um, but the Carolina Panthers are – Sam Darnold does look great. Don't get me wrong. Sam Darnold's a great. He, not having are you Christian shocked McCaffrey that he leads hurts. the NFL in rushing touchdowns of all the players, all running backs, and he leads the NFL in rushing I touchdowns? I do want to point it out because it is something that I've talked about in fantasy. It's happened. Four out of five have happened without Christian McCaffrey in the lineup. Just okay. saying. So uh, something to think about, some food for thought of of something weird happening there or something off about the Russian touchdowns. But, 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 hey, but Sam Darnold's a big it, boy. Like the, the touchdowns it, but, might happen with or without McCaffrey there, to be honest. I get it. But like Lamar Jackson's in the NFL. Um, Kyler Murray's in the NFL. The running backs that are out there, Dalvin Cook and Zeke, and like mm-hmm. he still has more all r- rushing touchdowns than all those guys. I'm just saying. I know it's impressive, but he's a big boy, man. He's like what? He's like six foot five. He's like two, two twenty. And we get to see what he looks like without Adam Gase being his head coach. It, yeah, it's starting to feel like the Adam Gase thing is is actually real. Like it's actually a true jinx on on good players because it's like oh that guy came out. Oh this guy came out. Now it's like the names piling up and piling up. It's like where's the Jets thing because Zach Wilson before last week really was not looking good as well. Yeah, I don't know, but if it's a Jets thing, I mean, I think the Jets are headed in a better direction than Jacksonville. Like, I mean, I given agree. that Jacksonville just got their franchise quarterback and stuff, but that's not here nor there. But <laughs> they are missing some big guys. Like we said, Stephon Gilmore traded for him, not playing Christian McCaffrey. Doubtful, likely won't play. I don't think this early in the season, in a 18-17 game yeah. season, you risk McCaffrey if you don't need to. Look at what San Francisco did with George Kittle. They just put him on the IR because they said, it, we don't want this injury to nag all year. Year. let's give them three weeks off one of those weeks includes you know they're on the buy so it's like why not take advantage of this opportunity to make sure that this doesn't egg for the rest of the season i think same thing will happen with christian mccaffrey um but the name that i alluded to that could be tyreek hill like is obviously dj Moore. dj Moore. so there's mm-hmm. still weapons there dj Moore can do so much he does create so much after the catch for himself he can create <laughs> space and separation before the catch and if he find if he watched tyreek hill and he noticed hey if i get the right mismatch if i can get into the middle of that zone that too deep safety look into those linebackers who can't cover worth a damn 
he could go off for 150 yards or something. I think he went off for 150 yards and two touchdowns last week. So he could do the exact same thing to the Philadelphia Eagles this week if we're not, if Darius Say is not shadowing him or even Steven Nelson. There's just got to constantly be an outside cornerback following that man wherever he goes. Um, so that that that's kind of what I think about the offensive side of the ball for the Carolina Panthers. Sam Darnold, I think he's good. I think Joe Brady is a smart dude. Matt Rule and Joe Brady are. Joe Brady might be a head coach next year. I wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, he could he could potentially be a. The, the, Same with Kellen Moore. Those, yeah, both they're those guys be the, are names to watch. Definitely, they're going to be the hot names for any coaching jobs that'll be available next year. Um, you know, another guy that. If if McCaffrey doesn't play Chuba Chuba Hubbard Chuba Hubbard, um, he was good at uh, Oklahoma State is where he was at I believe. Um, yep. He was good in college, um, and he he's getting the opportunity to play for or in um, place of McCaffrey. You know he he looks good out there. So the Eagles look. This isn't going to be the high powered offense that they've faced the last couple of weeks, but still this this offense of Carolina can be a grinded out type of offense and they will put points. They could can put points on the board. So that, that's where it's going to be key for the Eagles defense. Like put your players in the best positions to make plays, you know, Jonathan Gannon, do that. Stop that too high safety. Look is so annoying when you, that's all you play. You don't make adjustments, you know, the offense. And then for the Eagles offense last week, they finally had motion because against Dallas, they had zero plays of motion. On on offense against Dallas last week they used it they were able to create mismatches and again and and again I know it was against not as good of a defense in Kansas City and Carolina's defense is better than Kansas City so it's going to be important for them to find the mismatches whether it's Zach Ertz Dallas Goddard Devontae Smith Miles Sanders Kenny Gainwell um, Quez Watkins like you said get Quez Watkins involved that's what the Eagles are going to need to do in order to find a way to move the ball against a really really good defense in Carolina. Yeah, and I think Carolina had a fairly easy schedule to start the season as well before coming to Dallas. So I feel like some of their numbers are skewed. You know, the fact that they've only allowed 276 yards, 181 passing, and 95 rushing yards. I feel like that's kind of skewed. And obviously the rushing yards, we saw what Zeke did. We saw what Pollard did last week. They pumped out, I think they pumped out 240 yards combined on the ground alone. Um, So, I mean, these numbers may not necessarily be the fullest extent of the Panthers, especially when you're missing J.C. Horn. Stephon Gilmore is not there. Um, you're going to be without your top linebacker and Shaq Thompson. There's some pieces missing there. Um, so there is definitely a chance for for Philadelphia to take advantage. But they got put points on the board. The, the Philadelphia Eagles are scoring in, I think, the bottom 10 in, av- in time of possession and average, average yards and points per drive. So they're really low in those, and that's based on an average per drive basis. So that paints the true story of the Philadelphia Eagles offense. As much as we want to blame John Gannon and the situation with John Gannon for a lot of the stuff, just like Jim Schwartz took the fall on a lot of situations, the Philadelphia Eagles offense has to start producing points. I think you can put up yeah, all the yards. Field goals are not going to win. And I actually think their yards per drive is actually top 10 in the league, but their points per drive is bottom 10. So it means we're starting in a bad field position, and we're, but we're not taking advantage of the, the what we're being given. We're producing yardage, but we're not producing points. And those things need to start working in unison together. Yards and points, no stupid fourth downs, no stupid play calls on third downs. Do what's going to put you in the best position, like we've been saying this whole episode, and, to succeed. Yeah, and look, field goals aren't going to win games. And also, the red zone play calling needs to improve. It has been horrendous the last couple of weeks. I, I don't know what Nick Sirianni is, is doing, but the play calling in the red zone has been really bad. Run the ball, like find a, find a way to get your, your quarterback um, outside, the, whether it's outside the pocket you know, having a receiver to the, whatever it is, they need to find a way to, to do better in the red zone because they kick way They're kicking way too many field goals going for it way too many times on fourth down. You're not going to be able to win like that in the NFL. 
No, and I know that we get frustrated because of why didn't you go for it on that fourth down? Like, I get going for it sometimes, but I feel like it's happened too much, and then he kind of shies away and he just goes for field goals instead. Mm-hmm. I think you really he he needs to, like you said, he's got to mix up that play calling. They got so many weapons at their disposal. I really do feel the offense is a lot closer than the defense to really breaking out and and breaking through that glass ceiling and going moving forward being something that people are going to be talking about but it involves the need to get miles sanders involved to get the tight ends involved to get quez Watkins involved to get these guys who all bring different elements to the game an opportunity to bring those to the game and i feel like you know the tight ends haven't been used enough to get that they're really effective when they get the ball they're, they're the most i still think the most effective receiving options despite devonta smith and same with Quez Watkins. He can turn negative five yards into 80 yards in the blink of an eye. Or he can turn a 60-yard air pass into a 90-yard touchdown in the blink of an eye. So these people need to be used the way that they can best succeed. And I think the Carolina Panthers are primed to be taken advantage of, personally. Yeah, we'll definitely see. All right, the moment of truth, Connor. One and three Philadelphia Eagles at the three and one Carolina Panthers. Your score prediction. I'm actually going to give them a win. I, I actually okay. think they might be able to pull this out and go two and three, and then we probably wrap up this tough stretch of games probably more like two and six, maybe three and five if we can squeeze it out against the Raiders and if what I think about the Raiders is true. Um, but for me, I think I'm going to go. I think it's going to be kind of high scoring. I think these offenses are really going to go at e- each other and go at the defenses. Um, I think we're going to see. 27 to 24. I think it's still going to be close. I see 27, 24 for Philly. Okay. Um, I'm hoping that we see a better, better coach team. They, they, the Eagles have still lead the league in penalties, I believe. And it's just frustrating that they commit these boneheaded penalties at the worst possible times. And I just hope that that doesn't come back to bite them in a game like this, a game that they, they can go into to Carolina and win. Um, Obviously, we don't know the final. Like he's doubtful, so we don't know if McCaffrey is going to play. We don't. We tend to think he's not, but if he plays, that's a totally different story because you saw what uh, Clyde Edwards-Helaire did to the Eagles last week, and McCaffrey's a way better running back. And it wouldn't shock me if and if McCaffrey plays, he has another huge game again, or this Eagles defense gives up another huge game to, to a running back. So we'll see about that. Um, obviously, they have a better chance if Christian McCaffrey does not play. Um, I'm going to go 31-24 Panthers. It's just tough. I don't trust the defense right now. Until the defense can prove that they can make, you know, make make a stop, create create some turnovers, get pressure on the quarterback, you know, where Darnold is seeing ghosts like he was in, in with the Jets. Until that happens, I, I can't pick the Eagles to win. And you know how much I hate picking against the Eagles unless it's like a – Sure thing like last week against the Chiefs, um, but I'm gonna go 31 24 Panthers. The Eagles fall to one and four. Yeah, I can definitely respect that, and I can definitely understand that in in your your sentiments there. That this is putting some faith in the defense to make some stops um, and to create some pressure uh, on on Sam Darnold. And I assume no Christian McCaffrey, but if Christian McCaffrey plays. You can take the same score, but for the Panthers, <laughs> because I definitely think Christian McCaffrey, it, it's its no lie. It's a massive game changer. No matter who you play, though, no matter who Carolina plays, having Christian McCaffrey in the lineup is a huge game changer and difference maker. It definitely maker. is. Um, so flip it if McCaffrey plays, but otherwise I'm sticking with Philadelphia. Look at you and, putting that amendment in there. <laughs> <laughs> I got, I got to do what man's got to do what a man's got to do. Cover it, but uh, I, I got you. It's, it's, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens, and I hope that whatever conversation Sirianni and Gannon had really wakes Jonathan Gannon up. Because I was, I'll admit, I was, I was excited for Jonathan Gannon to come to town as well. There's been so much good said about him. He was such a coveted person, the next head coach here in the next couple years. So far not seeing it so hopefully the the discussion they had is going to be a, a changer a game changer for them yeah i agree i'm not i'm not seeing the 
the whole up-and-coming coach yet either. But we'll see. And, and again, this is a short week for the Eagles because after this game, they, they host Tampa Bay, the defending Super Bowl champions on Thursday night. So, you know, this they're going to have a quick turnaround. There's going to be no lamenting this game, um, talking about it, whether, you know, good or bad. You always have that 24-hour rule. Well, you're going to have to cut that short because Monday, you know, Monday you're right back at it preparing for Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Connor, you have the Eagles winning. I have the Panthers winning. Hopefully you're right. Obviously, I'm like, I'm never going to root against the Philadelphia Eagles. I just think that it's tough to root or it's tough to, to pick them to win a game when the defense is playing as bad as they are. Fortunately for them, though, they're not going up against that high powered of an offense like Kansas City or Dallas. So we'll see how things go Sunday, 1 p.m. in Carolina against the Panthers. Absolutely. I cannot wait. I, I feel like, you know, we're, we're seeing some things that we love. We're seeing mm-hmm. some things we don't really love. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I'm feeling like there's things going trending in the right direction, especially on the offensive side of the ball. If that can start to click and tra- turn into points. And if that conversation on Monday can turn into something on the defensive side of the ball, we might be things might start clicking a little more. But I'm not getting any more optimistic than the preseason record that we we put out there of like seven and ten, eight and nine. But yeah, still, I'm seeing some some positives. So we'll yeah, give we'll Sanders see. the ball and 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 force some damn turnovers. Jeez, right? The stadium was chant was chanting last week, run the ball and. Nick must not have heard him because he still didn't run the ball. And I'm not counting Jalen Hurts runs, um, especially since a lot of them are just one read. If if you don't, if that read's not open, run the ball. I'm not counting them. I'm talking about handing the ball off to the running back. That's what he needs to do. All right. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. As always, please follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. And follow me on Twitter at LGHorrell54. And follow our partners at Sports Talk Philly at Sports Talk PHL on Twitter. And as always, please rate and review the show and subscribe if you have not done so already. Here, our thank you again for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. Fly, Eagles, fly.